You've heard them. You've heard them. They are questions that plead for an answer. In fact, you may have even uttered them yourself. Questions that cry out for a response. These are the anguished cries of lament that we have already heard today in our service. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me, so far from my words of groaning? Why have you cast me off? Why must I walk about mournfully because of the oppression of my enemy? Oh Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Why? Why? That is the pleading question of lament that many of us have cried from places in the wilderness from places in the wilderness, those cries come from hearts that are shriveled by the relentless heat of unanswered prayer. From the place of the wilderness, these are bones that are weary for having trod through thickets of grief. Life simply does not make sense. Why? Not only have we asked why, but our world asks why as well. And in recent days, that question why has been on display in front of us all too often, from school shootings in Marshall County to Parkland, Florida, to the horrific terror in Syria, and countless other points of suffering all around this globe, this place that we call home. From the window of an airplane, this place that we call home is inviting. It catches our attention. We feel comfortable and often in awe. And if we go up even higher and Images from space are beamed back to us. We are caught by the beauty of our globe from a distance. And yet, as we come closer in, there we find the wilderness. There we find people struggling. There we find people at odds to know how to live well and how to connect with God. And we wait and we cry and we lament. Life in the wilderness, though, is no new experience. Israel dwelt there. The church has as well. The church has known distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril and sword across long centuries. And many of us here today can attest to being in the wilderness as well. You know what it's like to suffer heartbreaking losses, unanswered prayer, relentless temptation, a besetting sin. You know what it's like to live in the wilderness in a way that you can't even catch your breath. Many years ago now, I was a tourist in the wilderness. I'd say if you're going to be in the wilderness, being a tourist is the best place to be. 
I was with a group in Israel. We were making our way one day from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea. We were comfortable. We were in a nice coach that was air-conditioned with comfortable seats with large windows from which we could view the wilderness as it passed by. But I won't forget the face of a woman from the congregation that I served as her eyes filled with tears and she scanned the wilderness and she said, there is a picture of austere beauty. Do you see it? A picture of austere beauty? I wonder, I wonder, can this harsh, barren wilderness really be a place of beauty? Can anything good come out of such a severe setting in the real desert or in the desert of our lives? If you're in a place of wilderness today, and I suggest to you it's a place of beauty, you might yell back at me and tell me to be quiet, to say it's anathema, to even suggest that the suffering of your life carries with it any aspect of beauty. And yet that day, driving through the wilderness, Mary pointed to the wilderness and said, that's a picture of austere beauty. Austere beauty, when our hearts are breaking, when we feel abandoned, when God seems so very far away, we might shake our heads and say, no, not at all. Beauty is of a better memory, a happier, uh, a happier day. Beauty does not come in my wilderness. Instead, we just keep hearing the human cry, Lord, where are you? Do you hear me? Will I die here alone? Last night, I didn't see the show, but PBS aired a commemorative showing of the 50th anniversary of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's the TV show that was playing when I was fairly young, and, it, and it's the place where we welcome kindness and goodness and beauty at a very simple level. If you missed the PBS show last night, you'll be glad to know there's a movie coming out soon, and Tom Hanks is playing Mr. Rogers. <laughs> if you haven't met Mr. Rogers, you just need only picture a soft-spoken, kind-hearted man in a hand-knitted cardigan sweater welcoming children to his make-believe neighborhood. Oh, and there was singing, too. Singing songs like, It's you I like, and won't you be my neighbor? That may feel too saccharine for us today, amid the tragedy of the world that we live in in 2018. But Mr. Rogers points us to a deeper reality than just saccharine niceness. In 1984, there was an NPR reporter who was interviewing Mr. Rogers, or should I say, Reverend Fred Rogers, and she asked him, Mr. Rogers, when you were a boy, what were you afraid of? It was a long pause. And in not quite a whisper, Mr. Rogers replied, I was afraid of being alone. 
that no one would come for me. That sums up the fears of humanity, doesn't it? I'm afraid of being alone, that no one will come for me. But today, midway through this season of Lent, midway through our laments of the day, I have good news for you. We are not left alone. One has come, and as promised by the prophet Isaiah, even the desert can blossom. Even the desert can bring forth flowers and streams as a reminder that God's plan is that we are not left alone. John the baptizer baptizer announced his coming, and Jesus did come. He came to John. As he was lowered into the waters of baptism and was raised to its surface, the skies split in two, and the Spirit descended like a dove. And then this wonderful pronouncement, the pronouncement of the Father saying, you are my son, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. By the waters of baptism, but even the waters of baptism didn't really have time to dry before the Spirit thrust Jesus into the wilderness. He was thrust into the wilderness there to endure 40 days of being alone, 40 days of enduring what we can imagine is the full weight of being alone, 40 days of being tempted by Satan. Right here in these days, immediately following his baptism, right here in these days, immediately hearing the Father's affirmation over his life, right here facing the full weight of temptation, Jesus is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, redeeming our wilderness suffering. Did you catch that? We're not alone. Jesus is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to begin the work of redeeming our wilderness suffering. The austere wilderness of human anguish in all of its forms begins to take on beauty. Did you catch that? The austere wilderness of human anguish in whatever forms that present, they present themselves begin to take on beauty. We are not left alone. Jesus, the beloved Son, has come for every last one of us, no matter where we are. He's not just come for us, but he's come for, for the totality of humankind. And today, he sets a table before us. It's at this table that we shall be saved and sigh no more.